evening, everyone. Um, I called this show short and junk, but that really it it might not be short. I I don't know. We'll, we'll just see. We'll just play it by ear. Um, today I had a pretty awful experience on Facebook where um, I'm not going to name any names, and but it was done publicly on my Facebook, so I'm sure some of some of you saw it. Uh, where a person basically asked me to write a relative um, of theirs who had wronged them into a fic and then torture and murder them. Let me let me make myself clear. I don't know what you what you think of me or what you assume you know about me or what you think I'm actually capable of. But there's never going to be a day where I write torture porn for you so you can jack off emotionally to it. Okay? Have you, you know, even even in fix where there is actual, actual torture, I've never put it on screen. So, I, I don't... I don't understand... Really, where this kind of mentality comes from. Um, I've had readers on um, both um, in fandom and in my professional life, um, and just uh, not even just beyond readers. I've had people in my personal life or people I know from work environments who develop um, an attachment to me. And my husband um, once told me I have a cult personality um, and that I tend to gather followers. And it was funny until that show, The Following, came on Fox. And then it wasn't so funny. Because he's right. I do have a cult personality type. And I do tend to gather people around me, um, especially, especially in the internet environment. And I don't know if it's because there's, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Julie's on the air with me because she was helping me test my mic and she was the first one to dial in from um, the bitch squad <laughs> to help me with that. So she's actually on the air with me. Um, because uh, she was helping me test my mic. Uh, so, what do you think? Do I think you have a cult personality? Or what do I think about false intimacy? <laughs> both, both, both. Um, well, you definitely have that cult leader charisma going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not insulted by the implications of it. And I really didn't consider it a scary thing until, like I said, until that show The Following came on. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Is that what I'm like? No, I don't kill people yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not recruiting people to kill people either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't so much. You know, in in that show, it wasn't so much that he was creepy because he was creepy on his own. It was his ability to gather people to do his bidding, and they would do anything, anything. I mean, it was like they had no boundaries. It was just. He was like the great boundary collapser, <laughs> like like their ethics, their morals, just completely gone. Um, and it was really freaky. Um, I couldn't watch more than like three episodes of that show before I turned it off. And the thing is, and you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to like make you feel horrible. But the thing is, I mean, no, there are ahead. some people, there are some people who 
you're very emphatic that you don't want people who are associated with you to be like out internet trolling people and bashing people. But if you, the thing is, if you told people, there are some people that have interacted with you in certain ways. We mean, believe that if you said you wanted people to go out and bash an author or give someone a bad time or run somebody out of fandom, they would do it. That's really scary and terrible. But it is terrible. And so... And we know cult personalities like that in fandom. I don't want to name name names, but there is a there was. Uh, she's not really in fandom anymore. She's you know she went professional. Um, but there there was an author in um, in fandom who who had that kind of uh, cult following, and um, her fans terrible. I think you know who I mean. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and I don't know how much of that was incited by her, or just you know just how that how that worked. But it was deeply. I mean, I, I, that actually happened before I was in fandom, so I, I I wasn't on the sidelines watching that horrific thing happen. Um, but then you you encounter an author like the one who uh, wrote that Sill series in NCIS, um, and she got ran out of fandom because I didn't like what she was writing. So I know that these kinds of um, Fanatics, Fanat- yeah, yeah, fanatics exist, and they they're on the the on the, they're on the edge of my personal fandom, and that sounds really arrogant to say I have a personal fandom, but That's I do. True. I know I, I do. I do have a personal fandom. I mean, I have readers who read everything that I read, no matter what fandom it's in, even if they don't read the fandom. I had Stargate. I, mean, I had Harry Potter fans who came into the site to read Harry Potter, and I could, t- I couldn't use both my hands because the number of people who went in to read Stargate who'd never read it before and ended up going to Amazon and watching all the episodes or going to you know <laughs> wherever to watch all the episodes because they didn't know and then come back oh my god where's that did he die in canon what happened you know? <laughs> <laughs> when did they get introduced to him I don't see Jensen Ackles anywhere on IMDb for Stargate what happened. It's it's hilarious. I actually had someone say that to me. They were really upset when I told them that he was an OC because they hadn't really realized that he was an original character. Um, so I do have a personal fandom, and um, I do interact a lot with my readers. And um, when it comes to Facebook and Twitter and, um, and in chat rooms and on this podcast and um, – there's the Facebook groups, and now we have a forum, and we have Rough Trade, and and maybe maybe it um it like I said it creates a false sense of intimacy, and you think you know me, um, And you assume you know how I'll react to different situations when you really don't. This morning, that person um, upset me to the point where I almost cried. I I was so upset. And I thought to myself, is this how people see me? Is this the kind of person that they think I am? That I would do something like this? And that's that false intimacy thing, because clearly they don't know you. Um, 
if they knew anything about you, they would know you wouldn't do that. And actually your personality is such that instead of letting it stay there, letting people jump on and beat the crap out of that person, you deleted it to stop it from escalating. Yeah, I did let Lady Holder have a little stab, though. <laughs> but, but she has BFF rights, so, you know. Yeah, she does. She has best friend privileges, so. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's like you don't let fights spiral out of control um, amongst your um, readers on your website. Um, you know, I mean, clearly you're trying to keep the crazy to a minimum, uh, but people do when they, I think especially when they, they think they know something about you because they are reading something, they're reading your, something that you've created. And the internet also um, generally creates a false sense of intimacy. And then they just feel like they have some sort of um, rights. And... Um, you see this. Sometimes you even see this with people who've just never even interacted with you, but have just like read your stuff for the entire time you've been in fandom. And it's like, oh, well, I've been reading her stuff for years, and therefore, I can give her like plot suggestions or something. <laughs> I don't actually encounter that much anymore because I'm so militant about it. I'm just like I'm so not interested in it. But what was really interesting about today was not only was it I felt like they were insulting me personally by assuming that I was capable of um, writing such abuse uh, based on a real person. Because considering how I feel about real person fiction to begin with, um, yeah. I don't write RPF. I don't like. To, I don't read RPF. Um, I don't approve of RPF. And then to have someone ask me to um, torture and abuse a member of their own family in a fictional setting and using their real name, by the way, um, and then kill them for her enjoyment. Like I said, I wouldn't even talk about this if it had been done in an email. But she did it in public, so I know some some of you read it. Um, because I didn't take it down immediately because I was just so horrified by it. I it was, but it it did upset me personally. Um, as a as a person, as an individual, with you know, it was um, it, it crossed a serious ethical line. But on the other side of it, she also intruded on my process, and you know, you bitches know how I feel about that. Yeah. Will you write something for me? Um, gee, let me think about that. Listen, <laughs> what was it we say? I'm not your fic bitch? Oh, yeah, I am definitely not your fic bitch. Um, <laughs> uh, I posted an article. Um, I just I take two pills it. and go to bed, okay? I took two pills and went to bed. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I, don't, I know you read the article I posted about um, the author who was having a problem with her, every, everything around her, because she was too aggressive, because her characters were too aggressive, or something like that. Yeah. And I think yeah. people I make, especially, especially, you know, I hate, you know, I, sometimes I feel like I just distill everything down sometimes to 
um, gender issues, but there is an issue with where when a woman is more aggressive or more assertive or something about like that, people make certain start to make certain assumptions about you mm-hmm. um, that I don't think that they would do if you were a dude. I agree. It's like somehow because you, you know, are assertive and speak your mind um, and don't put up with shit that, that I'm capable you lack, of playing that I'm Hannibal Lecter. That you lack moral fiber or something like that. Like there's some kind of equivalency there. Which is deeply insulting. It is. And I couldn't even figure out why I was so, and I was actually, it, it not only was it insulting, but it kind of hurt. And it isn't often that a reader, um, the fact of the matter is, is that I enjoy a kind of, um, I don't know how to say this, um, my fans treat me like they love me. My readers do. I don't, I don't get, now, yes, there is that fringe element, I'm talking about you, Zora Azkaban, um, who don't like me. And they hate me, and they sometimes they flame me, and they tell me I'm a mean, terrible, horrible bitch. That's just a bunch of men who can't handle my power, and that's okay. That's fine. But as a whole, my readers treat me with a great deal of care and respect and um, affection. Mm-hmm. And when you combine that. when you combine that with I just, for some, you know, if actually, if one of those assholes from Zara Azkaban had asked this of me, I would have laughed it off and walked away. It would not have even, because it, it... Because they've already shown that they don't think anything of you personally, and that they're perfectly willing to intrude on your process, which is, your your lack of willingness to tolerate them intruding on your process is part of the reason why they're out, you know, bad-mouthing you. By the way, they hate me, and that's okay. That's okay. They can kiss my butt. Um, but it it came from a quarter that I didn't expect it, and it was um, it was deeply, deeply, deeply disturbing um, and ugly. Well, especially on Facebook, and this is why I say this is because anybody who follows you on Facebook, unlike on your website. If people who follow you on Facebook and read your posts on Facebook, they're exposed to your views about the world, about politics, sometimes about religion, um, um, social issues. I mean, you post about a lot of different subjects. And so, in theory, these people, people who follow you on Facebook, even though they don't truly know you, they should know more about you than they should just have an a better idea of what I'm capable of. What you're of. like. Yeah, I'm not over on Facebook posting. I, you know, for the record, I never actually watched the show Hannibal. I watched half the first season. It freaked me the fuck out, and I haven't watched it since. Great. I thought I think it was beautifully put together, and you know, just the cinematography of it was gorgeous. But I could not handle the content. I can't watch the Hunger Games. I can't read the books. I've never watched Saw. I can't I can't handle shit like that. The Purge would give me nightmares if I did more than watch the preview. In fact, I have to admit that the Purge 2 preview did give me nightmares. 
So if you think I'm the kind of person who's capable of, of writing extremely violent content, then you don't know me at all. If you look at the body of my work on my Kira site, there's like there's one scene in in what might have been that makes me uncomfortable, and that's the scene where John kills somebody um, in cold blood, and it was an important scene to write for his character. Because it speaks to his character. But it took me four or five days to actually write that 500-word scene. It is a small scene in what might have been. And it took me five days to write it. But I wrote it because it was important for the story. But And then there was the flaying alive scene in um, A Lovely Agony. Which I wrote from Rodney's point of view on purpose because Rodney turned his head and Rodney was horrified and I couldn't I tried to write it from John's perspective and I couldn't I couldn't go there in his headspace so I I real and maybe that's the 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 real grit of the issue um that I had this morning is because um this person does know did know me I I unfriended and blocked her I'm sorry I did I I'm not sorry at all I'm I'm just that's to protect myself because she really 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 upset me um and she is was exposed to a great deal of um content that people don't see on Twitter or on my site um about the things that I support and that I'm a liberal very liberal democratic atheist. <laughs> not that my atheist is democratic. My, my atheism is not. I'm an atheist and a democrat. They're they're separate. Yeah, her 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 um her atheism is not up for a vote. <laughs> but please take great comfort in your space fairy if it makes you feel better. Okay, I just I I, I can't. <laughs> And I don't, I'm not trying to be insulting. That probably was insulting to some of you, but I'm not trying to be. I'm just saying that I, 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 I can't go there. But if you go there and it makes you, and it gives you comfort, then, then good for you. But um, I, it just it. I, I've had various really terrible experiences um over my lifetime as a writer, um where I've interacted with people who um, made assumptions about me based on my work. And sometimes it's really funny, and sometimes it's not. And today it was not funny. Well, there's nothing in your work that would have made that conclusion even remotely reasonable. I hope not. There's not. I mean, like, I get frustrated sometimes, like, when life is just, like, you know, somebody's, like, really pissed me off, and I will, you know, I have, like, a murder file, you know, and I will come up with creative ways to get rid of the antagonist, but I don't actually write the person that's frustrating me dying. 
Because that just feels kind of creepy. It feels like premeditated murder. Yeah, I but I write, you know, I take I take a, a a character in a story. It's usually one I'm already working on, and go well. If this ended differently, let's write an alternate ending where my antagonist Rock dies instead. Rock dies. Yes. Well, one of the dings I got for the work I put out as Kira Fall for You um, was that my um, my confrontation at the end um, and was brief, and the bad guy died too quickly, and the action was abrupt. The fact of the matter is, is that um, I wrote it that way because I couldn't write it any other way. Now there are a variety of ways that that could have gone down, including an almost attempted, you know, in, including a sexual assault. And I think maybe there were readers who expected that. Which I don't understand why anybody would expect you to write your Man character being sexually assaulted. Well, but, a lot of the readers on Amazon don't know me as a as a fan fiction well, writer. I, well, I, I think true. that particular view came from a, a reader who wasn't familiar with the body of my work and um, had expectations for that scene, which probably included Riley being um, assaulted in some form or another or having to, you know, just – and that's not what I, I – I'm not – I can't. Well, I know – I mean, I, there, I think there's a um... – there's a trend in movies where, like, the the fight scene is is protracted, like really long. You know, it just goes on and on and on and on, like past what anybody, any normal human being could could survive. Or chase scenes that go on for half an hour. And I actually have never seen the appeal of either. But um, violent confrontations, and there's a, there's a I'm in the flight path of a military base, so. <laughs> Pardon the very loud thing going overhead, um, but I think that there's a um, violent confrontations in real life often are not protracted. They don't go no. on and on and on and on and on. They're abrupt. Um, they're mean, they're abru- and then they're over, and then and the then trauma is. And I tend to go towards more reality when it comes to that kind of thing because because it's not a prolonged experience. I've um, I've had a physical altercation with another person, and it it probably didn't last a minute, maybe two at the outside, and it was in a barroom bathroom, but in a bar bathroom. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that you know. It's over fast, you know, and and I I know like when a lot of times when I write um, the few times when I have to write violent scenes because I don't do it very often, but when I write them, I do tend to abbreviate them um, because for me, um, having been through a few violent altercations, I feel like I'm fetishizing the violence when I draw it out unnecessarily. Um, when I do that, what I feel like movie style um, protracted violent fight scene or something like that um, and it makes me uncomfortable and that's just my thing it's my comfort zone um, but it, I find it interesting that people um, would have read your your story and said that the, that there wasn't enough violence in it I mean that's like 
I, I would, if somebody came to me and said there's not enough violence in your story, I would just huff. I would just be so annoyed. <laughs> that's just not what I do, and that's okay. I mean, you know, they, thank you for. Find another writer. There are writers Thank who you do for that. your so money. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to like my unviolent end. <laughs> thank you for your moolah. <laughs> hmm. I had somebody ask me if I would um, write a Tony story where he's like doing in rape recovery kind of thing. Um, and considering how I have not ever been bashful about how I feel about um, reading, reading rape or writing it, I'm not going to do it. I found that really um, intrusive. And it felt like the person, like, you know, it's like you've read my writing and you would come back and you would ask me that. This is, this is what you got out of that? Yeah. It feels like there's, like, some great disconnect. And I can see that this morning when that person asks you to kill their family member by proxy kind of thing, that for their gratification so that they would, like, feel better or something. Um, <laughs> so their emotional um, drug off, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is that offensive? Uh, well, they might be offended, but I think it's sort of truthful. <laughs> I, I'm sure she's mortally offended that you said that she asked you to write torture porn for her so she could, emo- you know, emotionally beat off to it. But that sort of isn't the point. <laughs> um, but it's sort of it just feels like there's like this great disconnect, but. You see, it's funny. You see people kind of having that disconnect to lesser degrees, anyway. Um, it's just usually not quite so uh, ugly. Like, like what I mean by disconnect is like when people read your story and you've got some angst moment going on. I've said seems in some of your comments, and they'll say something like, "Oh my God, I hope that Rodney doesn't die." And that to me feels like just the comment, I hope that this doesn't happen, it feels like a disconnect from you as a writer, like that they aren't paying attention to what you do. Um, because like you'd ever kill Rodney, and if you did, it wouldn't be for very long, you know? It's like <laughs> he's, he's traveling back in time or something. The death is going to be momentary, right? He's going to be back in the next scene, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but, you know, you see those kind of disconnects, but they're not terribly offensive, you know? It's just kind no, of like, okay. Just, I think they're just caught up in the, in, in, in the movement of the story. And um, actually, in, in some ways, I kind of appreciate the fact that they're not um, focusing on the overall arc of my process or the body of my work and that they, you know, and they're in that moment of the story. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate them being caught up in that moment um, and being worried about Rodney. I, that's not, I don't find that offensive. No. Yeah. It's not, it's just, it's, it's to me, sometimes it's, it, yeah, I agree with you. It could be that they're just caught up in the story, but it could also be that they're just kind of a little, sometimes a little bit disconnected from, your pro- the way you write, but when somebody comes to you and says, "Will you kill this person for me?" in, in a fiction, in fiction, that's just that's a complete disconnect from who you are as a person. And granted, they don't know you, but there's a level that people can know you on the internet, especially on Facebook. Yeah, you know, um, 
you know, I could probably, you know, remember the meme about the we're going to hell for wearing yoga pants? Yeah. And there's like 12 things you're going to go to hell for. Mm-hmm. Um, these people are going to go to hell for. It's like most people know you well enough who've, who've read your posts on Facebook to know how many of those 12 things approximately <laughs> you're being you're going to experience eternal damnation for. So, I mean, there is there is a surface layer of knowing someone when you encounter them on the internet. Um, so it is really insulting that that they aren't even paying attention to that layer of knowing you. Um, I claimed all 12, by the way, <laughs> which, some, which someone challenged me on. But um, <laughs> That's, hey, that's yours. You own it. You don't got to explain did. yourself. <laughs> um, what I... I, I don't... What what re- what what really caught my attention at first was number, number one there were two posts and the first post post before she re- revealed what she wanted she tagged me and told me she needed my help right and then she gave you a very personal story to explain why she wanted this person. You know, to give you backstory, which was the first post. And then the second post was, and so based upon this horrible thing, in my estimation, this horrible thing, I would like you to, you know, kill this person in a story for me. Right. (laughs) It's like, this is, you know, it's just, no, no. It was kind of like getting hit on in a bar. And you don't know the blow is coming. And he seems friendly enough. And he styles up to you and says, hey, my name is Brad. (laughs) 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 You look great. Would you like a drink? Let's talk. (laughs) And And then you let him take you over to a little booth where you can talk and you got your drink and... He's been great, and he's been fine, and then he settles up beside, you know, he he gets really close to you, and um, he's like, so who do you want to kill tonight? (laughs) He's just, you're like, what? And then you realize you're sitting next to a fucking serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not calling the lady a serial killer. I'm not. I'm just saying that it was just like it was, I was blindsided. It was like, there's one side here, oh, I need this help, can you... I thought she was going to ask me for my advice on what to do, and I'm thinking, I don't know what to tell you. I, I What, did you call the cops? <laughs> you know? I thought, you know, because sometimes people do seek me out to get advice from me on situations that I really legitimately should not be giving advice on. Um, and I often do give advice on it, because, hey, I have an opinion about everything. So I thought that's where it was going. But then it took this... To, this terrible, terrible dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the horrible punchline. It's like, like to use your bar analogy, it's like someone comes up to you and says, I need the time, I'm running late, or something like that. And when you look down at your watch, they sl- slip some Rohypnol in your drink. It's just, it's like that's not, there's a complete disconnect between, you know, here, I need your assistance. Here's this terrible thing. Now would you please go out and do something awful? 
I don't even, it just, it was deeply upsetting, and, um, I, I don't, and it's not, you know, the thing is, is I don't expect my readers to, to know me. Because you can't know me. I mean, there are people in my life who literally physically are in my life and they see me, who wave at me, who fix my coffee. They don't know me. So I don't expect you to know the intimate um, workings of my brain. I don't. But the assumption she made based on available data was galling. Oh. I was like, what the fuck? What the and fuck? And party's like, you know, I have to block you and, like, ban you from, like, everything under the sun for, for right now because you totally, you know, totally fucked up my morning. But part of you also wants to, like, pull them aside and go, what have I ever said that would give you the impression that I would do something like that? Seriously, what? What? Like, I need data here. That's, at least that's where my head would be. I'd be like, I need data. I need it right now. And then you go back and look at your Facebook wall and go, is there anything here that leads somebody to believe that I would do this? No. Did I accidentally post, like, pictures of tortured animals or burning houses? Did I admit to wetting the bed? I mean, <laughs> for those of you who, who, who might not catch that particular, um, that's the trifecta for a serial killer. <laughs> Well, you do have in your, you know, you do have to preface based on your search history and your, what's in your notebooks that you're not a serial killer. Well, that's different because I can't help it that I have to know how long it took the body to, to decay. <laughs> I needed to know. <laughs> but now I have a book on the body farm and I have better information than, um, you know. Um, These things are important to know. Yeah, you know, Claire says in the chat room that it's not unreasonable to expect courtesy from others. I would not ask my best friend to write something so invasive. Um, if Lady Holder even asked me to write half what I was asked this morning, I would call her husband and say she needs a mental evaluation. <laughs> I feel like you need um, a day off of work. I need to speak to your husband. I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, did you know what you go go look at your wife's computer? Did you see what she just did? Come on now. <laughs> Has she had too much caffeine today? <laughs> you take her ass to the doctor. Something's wrong. <laughs> I mean, it would just be like. Oh, you know, but actually, if it had been a young person, I would have probably lectured them and moved on. But this is a person who's probably, based on the profile picture, that look like a real person versus a not, you know, like a avatar that you might put on your, like, you know, like like, like I use Emma Watson. This is like her real picture, um, who's as old as I am, if not older. Yeah, I would I would guess older. 
Well, I look pretty young. It's like for you, my age, you are. But... It's like you are a grown up. You should not be saying stuff like that in public. It. I don't know. You know, like I said, I have had um, people in my career as a writer reach out to me um and i've even had men send me emails asking me to write personalized porn for them um well like to their kink or like including them including them ew yes um I had an old boyfriend once who who read a couple of my books and um, calls me and says, "Hey, I was uh, reading your book and you, you put that thing in you used to do for me." I was like, "Okay," he said, "But that was just for me." I said, <laughs> "Are you serious?" <laughs> I said, That's "I've done funny. that thing for every man I've ever dated, sweetheart. You're not special." He said, "Really?" <laughs> He was really upset, right? I said, I'm sorry, is that upsetting you? Is that what your feelings? And he was like, yeah, kind of. And I thought that was just, you know, something that you did for me. Because I, really, I said, dude, there is no man on earth who doesn't really like what I just, what I did for you, okay? And he was like, really? I said, yeah, yeah, you're not, you're not abnormal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Dudes like that. They Even the ones who pretend they don't like it, they like it. <laughs> they all like it. But speaking of... Um, but he thought that I had included his personal sexual kink in my book, and he was kind of upset. And then to only realize that he was not unique in his personal sexual kink, it was actually quite vanilla. He was very relieved, and we had a nice conversation, and that was it. But yeah, but he did assume that I had exploited my information, my knowledge of his, um, what he thought was a very personal um, kink that was not something that a lot of men enjoy. Um and he was, you know, understandably naive, well, understandably upset and terribly naive was is, is what I would say. Um, but he's cool now. He's cool now. Um, uh, I hope he gave his wife my book so she would do that for him because he really did enjoy a finger up his ass. <laughs> I knew that's what you were talking about. <laughs> I was like, they all like it. They all are like, you know, think they're the only one, whatever. <laughs> Your prostate is your friend, baby. Just, just, just go with it. Um, but in terms of that false intimacy thing, how often do people ping you about their masturbation habit in regards to what you they've been reading on your oh, site? And my God! And isn't that a false intimacy? Right? It's like because it you is, write sex, right? Because you write sex, you must want to know about the consequence for them. <laughs> To having read your work, it's like no, I, I, I get I'm, that I'm whole just... phrase. I'll be in my bunk is actually from Firefly, right? It's mm-hmm. Jane says think, it yeah. in Firefly, and it's a reference to him going to jerk off about something. Uh, I don't need to know when you're jerking off. I Truly. once attended a romance convention and. Um, uh, I was, this is about my second book that was published, and I was, um, 
I hate them. I hate conventions. I, I, I really do. I, I hate signing books. It makes me deeply uncomfortable. People, you know, asking me questions they should not be, um, um, not, they should not be asking me. Anyways, um, this man and woman come up together and they, um, the wife said, and was gushing over how much I love books and I really appreciate it. You know, she just loved books. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And she had two books and I signed both. And, um, as they were getting ready to leave, the husband leaned down right into my space because this was a small, like a narrow table. It was long, but it was narrow. And he leaned right down into my space and whispered in my ear, your work makes me so hard. Ugh. I My mouth dropped open and he walked away and I turned back and just, I need a break. <laughs> And she's like, what did he say? I told her, she says, oh, my God, break. We need a break. <laughs> so we went into the little lounge and had coffee. And there were several other authors um, in this particular area. And they'd seen me get kind of upset and asked for a break. And so I told them, and they were like, oh, my God, we all need a break. <laughs> that's just not. <laughs> that's just not what you do. And you too much of that, and what comes? That was twenty years ago. Granted, well, not fifteen years ago, but still, it's it's still people have improved. No, they're more. I would say I would say people are more overt about telling you that kind of stuff now than they would have been twenty years ago. It's like you know, but you know, it's sort of like you hear too much of that, and the next thing that pops out of you know. Pops out in your in in the inspiration file. The next thing you pick up is Gen Fig because it's like, you know, they're just for too many people. Tell me that they're beaten off on that last story, <laughs> and I'm not indulging you bitches anymore. <laughs> and that's how you get something like I'm um, courting Hermione Granger on my site when there's no like sex a porn in it. Factory. Yeah. I'm comfortable with the idea that I write that. I write pornographic material. It doesn't bother me. Um, there was a time when it did. Um, even when I was legitly, you know, I was legit writing porn for Penthouse or, or you know, whatever magazine I was making money off of that month. Um, it <sighs> bothered me. But it doesn't bother me now. Um, one person's porn is another person's erotica. You know that's just the way that's just the way it is. Um, men traditionally look down on romance and call it girl porn, whether there's any sex in it or not. There doesn't have to be any sex in it at all for for, for romance to be called girl porn, which is insulting enough. As you know, it's it's an insulting um, factor in the industry. But um, I, I don't. I, don't mind I really don't want to know where you jerk off. No. I don't. Yeah, I don't mind hot, but I don't need to know if your panties are wet. Yeah, I've I've gotten some way too explicit information about the condition of people's undergarments, and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like when somebody tells you they have to change their panties, it's like, oh dear. Oh god. It's like we're having an overshare moment, and, and and that is another level of false sense of intimacy because I do tend to be um, explicit in my fiction, and I'm explicit on my radio show. I talk about sex topics and sex issues and anal sex and um, masturbation, but I still don't want to know when my work actually inspires you to jack off. 
Do you want to talk about masturbation itself? Okay, we can discuss masturbation. But I don't want to know my work makes you jerk off. Is, is, is that line too thin? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me no. know. <laughs> and see, this is this is another case of internet, the internet, you know, the 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 sort of false sense of anonymity creates false intimacy on the internet because for the most part, the majority of the people who have written you to tell you that their panties were wet, their dick was hard, that they spent all afternoon masturbating, whatever it is that they've written to tell you, odds are at least ninety percent of them would not say that to you to your face. I know, right? I hope not. I hope they wouldn't. But I've only ever been to one convention, and that was that convention, and I've never um, gone back to another one. And my agent, she knows better than to ask. Um, I just, I can't, no. Well, I've been to, I mean, like, I've been to a few um, conventions, like, you know, like science fiction conventions or Comic-Cons or stuff like that. And there are people who have, like, no level of appropriateness at all. We all know, we've all seen it. We've all seen the horrible videos. We've all heard the horrible stories that have happened. But that is, fortunately, a minority. It's just unfortunate it's the minority that everybody talks about. I would out myself within 20 minutes of being at a um, convention. Especially if I ended up on a panel and someone of those assholes brought up slash fic, I would be up out of my seat, taking the microphone out of the moderator, saying, what the fuck, you can't do your job? This is not your job. What? Sit down. I'm going to be doing this. Don't ask any fucking questions about slash. Who has a question that doesn't involve butt sex? Sex. I, they'd be all like, hey, Kira. <laughs> exactly. Because hey, sure there'd be one minion in the crowd. Because I swear there's not a convention that happens in this country that there's not a minion at. We, <laughs> no, see probably not. we know that those bitches are there. I know, right? We had minions at um, Dragon Con, Comic Con, PAX this year. So, yeah, they're everywhere. They're in your Target, they're in your Walmart. Speaking of, um, Rough Trade is very close to 7,000 members. That's pretty cool. I'm working on my cave. You're working on your what? Cave. That was the prompt, right? Cave. Oh, the cave, yeah. Um, the forum is up and active, and I was, since I spent all that time making it, I'd like you bitches to use it. I'm just saying. Get out there and do some forumy shit. <laughs> Talk about some stuff. I have all these different forums and they're empty. Um, for those of you for who all are curious about, about my what's membership. going on in the Facebook group, go to the forum. There's not much there right yet, but you know, start something. My membership on my personal site, my Cura site, is twelve thousand six hundred and eighty-five. So yeah, you couldn't go to a convention in this country. Or in Britain or Australia and not encounter a minion. <laughs> at least one. At, at least one. So. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, um, there are actually um, a handful of minions um, all over the region where I live. Um, so yeah. 
I encountered a, an a minion, a, a minion um, on a trip to Nashville. Surprise. Um, you are legion and growing by the day. There are eight pending members on my site right now. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's okay. It, it, it's weird. Um, I don't particularly um, mind having... Um, a following as long as you don't kill people for me that that would be great don't don't kill people for me i I'm not asking for much here um but uh it's just it's the assumption this morning was was pretty terrible. The assumption that not only was I capable of writing something like what she wanted but that I would do it. I did hear someone mention Holly um Holly Wifers in a Target once. I was in um Macon, Georgia and um this lady uh wanted um she called out to her husband to make sure to get the 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 Holly Wafers and I looked at my husband, he looked at me and he said, Move <laughs> We're getting out of here. <laughs> Haul ass, babe. Move. <laughs> Not that that minion would have been scary or inappropriate if you're listening and that was you. Um, uh, my husband just isn't particularly interested in meeting minions. <laughs> <laughs> or members of my cult, as, as, as he likes to call them. Um, so... Well, see, that's the thing. that's really interesting because um, Zan says in the chat room, just don't open your mouth because if they hear your voice, you're done. You'd be amazed at how many women in the South sound exactly like me. Um, moreover, like half the women in my family, we can pass for each other on the phone. I can't wait for my cousin, who sounds exactly like me, to have a minion encounter. <laughs> <laughs> are you Kira? Uh, who? Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure you're not Kira? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, so, but yeah, no, but no. Um, I actually sound um, almost kind of generic, uh for the South, and those of you who live in the South probably um, um, would agree with that. A lot of women in the South sound um, soft and young, and um, this is what it is. Sometimes the chat room kind of throws me for a second. I'm like, huh? <laughs> it can be very distracting. Usually, it's, it's, it's usually great because um, at least you know you're not talking into a vacuum, right? But right. sometimes it's like some, there's a comment that's like, what? Uh-huh. What? Did I miss something? 
it, you know, so but so my husband can't tell me and my sister and my cousin apart on the phone. So especially on the phone, it's very um um it's probably I think people people sound different on the phone than they do in person anyway. There is a slight difference. But yeah, so so for so the consequences this morning just they throw you right out of your, your groove for the day. Right. For the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um that's that's just not okay. Um I, I yeah, because I had written were... 2,000 words this morning, and then I got on Facebook to take a break because um, I had a cramp in my pinky. So not that you care to have a cramp in my pinky, but I did have a cramp in my pinky, so I was on a break. Um, and I had written a little over 2,000 words, um, which is the most I've written in about two weeks. I get online, get on Facebook. That's what I, that's what I've... And these are the consequences of people's weirdly intrusive behavior sometimes is that it throws somebody right out of, you know, <clears throat> doing anything that they want to do. But particularly, I mean, this is sort of like working against your own self-interest because um, if she's a friend of yours on Facebook, she's obviously a fan of yours, and therefore she is not – she's we're throwing you out of writing. So <sighs> she just hurt I called herself. my husband to complain about it too. Um, and he was like, um, well, it's too early in the day for a beer, so you should probably just go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, when somebody asks you to kill somebody, <laughs> um, it's never too early in the day for a beer in that situation. <laughs> you like, honey, where's the just... whiskey? I need it right now. And I am not trying to make assumptions about um, this person, but who the fuck goes there? And, you know, we're obviously being very careful not to reveal the um, particulars of the the tale that was revealed. Um, but it was kind of tragic. Um and it was it was um, I don't know if it felt kind of disproportional the over it was like an overreaction to a kind of a tragic circumstance um, and and that just kind of made it feel kind of uglier. but. All right. Um, it um. What? I don't fantasize about murder. And if you fantasize about murder, you've got a problem. Yeah, I. I mean, I actually shy. There are stories I've written where actually death 
with probably a logical consequence. And when I'm doing my mental planning for the story, I actually have a really hard time sometimes, like, mentally... You know, I start for like sometimes when you're plotting, you kind of day, daydream through the scenes, like how they're going to come together. Like when I get to the scenes where I know someone's going to die, I actually don't focus on those. I can't do it. There's, I killed a child in a story. I imagine you most did, of you have and read it, was, it. And I wanted to send you to the corner for it too. I know. Terrible. Um, I mean, I understood it, it was like it was bright for the story, but it was terrible. It was just so hard it, to read. It has big purpose that particular um, death, but moreover, it has a bigger purpose for book two, which I've never written because of the backlash I got from the Sentinel fandom um, for not writing Blair as a pussy. Uh, but that child's death has. A, huge meaning to Blair um, in in um, in The Awakening, but also in the book, too. So I, so it had to happen. She, she had to go. Um, but after writing that, I, number one, will never, ever, ever kill another child in my work. Not fandom, not professionally. It will never happen. Ever. Um, major character death is never going to happen in my work. Um, I only kill bad guys. And if I kill not bad guys, it's off scene. Like a, a bomb goes off or, you know, like there's a, um, there's a scene in um, Ties That Bind where something explodes and such type of people die. But they weren't characters that you even knew their names until after they were dead. And um, you didn't witness the explosion um, on screen. Um, because I, I'm deeply uncomfortable with it. And, I, and it really did... It came to a head for me when I was reading, when I was writing The Awakening. Because um, when I plotted that, I didn't understand the impact it would have on me as a writer. Because um, I had never done it before. Um, I, I've had characters die of old age. I've had characters murdered in stories. Um, uh, but I'd never... Um, I'd never killed a child before in a story. I'd, I'd never, you know, plotted the murder of a child in a story. And there are several murdered children in in um, in the Awakening, but that ha- that happened before the story even began. Um, and I just no. I mean, I could see why it was necessary, and you know. There's a difference between a character that you're sort of getting to know and that's alive when the story starts um, dying and a bunch of people who died before the story starts because it's sort of like, you know, you wouldn't be able to write procedural crime drama anything if you couldn't kill anyone, you know. Um, You know, the major case response team becomes a white collar crime unit. You know, it's just... <laughs> right. And if you can't, if you can't write, that's that's an, that's an excellent um, opportunity. That's an excellent way to go with it. Um, but uh, I don't know. And I, I just I have a real. Mm. 
Well, I guess you know, I mean, it 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 was it was so right for the story, and yet it was I, it was so hard to read, and I can't imagine how hard that was to write. Um, it it I could see why you would have that resolve. Um, um, after writing that, that you weren't going to do it again. It's like, okay, well, I had that moment. I've had that experience. It's not one I need to repeat. It's very powerful, though. I think it's probably one of the more powerful moments in The Awakening. Um, powerful and quiet. Because when I wrote it, I thought, okay, it 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 has to be small. It, it, it has to be quiet. It has to be a really hard almost silent moment and um when Blair goes down I, I it was just like okay that that's how it works that's how it goes so I couldn't actually show her murder I, I, I could not go there so writing Blair's response to her death was was where I went and how it how it rippled out over the city because of um because of the fact that she was a wolf guide um, and how the whole city kind of felt it with her. Um, it was it was very um, difficult to write, but I think probably some of the most powerful writing I've ever done, fan fiction or professional. <clears throat> but I'll never do it again. <laughs> I just... <mm-mm. laughs> But I, but I will on a more serious, a very very serious note. If you fantasize literally, now I don't mean just like, oh god, I wish that person would die. Oh god, wouldn't it be great if they were dead? We, that's it's terrible to think that way, but we've all done it. But if you yeah. actually actively fantasize about murdering people that you know, you need a psychologist. I and I'm not help. even kidding. I'm not even kidding. You need a psychologist. That's not normal. And asking somebody else to write it out for you is even less normal. It is super un it is super abnormal people, okay? It is super abnormal. Don't you watch criminal minds? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> what is born in your brain without intervention? could bear fruit in your physical reality. And fantasizing, literally fantasizing about murder and finding it satisfying emotionally is dangerous. Yeah. I mean, everybody has um, intrusive thoughts sometimes, like something that crosses your mind that you really wish that you uh, hadn't crossed your mind. Um, Uh Sometimes it's in response to things we see in the world or things we hear or just you had a really weird dream or whatever. But the thing is you just don't indulge those kinds of thoughts. You know, you just don't sit and um, 
fantasize. You don't you don't obsess in them. You don't you don't let them grow in your own mind. It's 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 dangerous. That's just our our, our nature as as human beings to um indulge in that kind of um thought process and to share it with another person and ask that person to indulge you further is um is is deeply disturbing. Um and I was I was very disturbed this morning and um uh, kind of off topic but on topic. There was this article about how people who are dumb aren't smart enough to realize how dumb they are. I think that kind of has a correlation here with the fact that people who are crazy aren't sane enough to realize how crazy they are. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> you know, I knew this, um, well, I didn't know her well, but she wasn't like we were really close, but we met in some unusual circumstances. But this lady, she had kept, she was, she, she had had a baby, and she was struggling with really bad postpartum depression, and she kept getting with these these intrusive thoughts, um, whenever the baby would cry about killing the baby, and she wasn't indulging the thoughts, but they were so disturbed her and they so troubled her that she kept having these thoughts that she went and checked herself into the hospital to try to deal with her depression. And mm-hmm. to um, to get this stuff under control, because the last thing she wanted was to let that kind of thing spiral out of control in her own head. And um, that is a sane response to something that's not sane, something going on in your mind that isn't appropriate, that doesn't belong there. Because these things come up, but, you know, how you choose to deal with them um, is what's important. And... Dealing with it by going on the internet and asking Kira to kill a femme member of your family in fic by name is not the appropriate way by to deal with those. Name. By name. It's not the appropriate way to deal with those negative emotions, you know, and those negative thoughts. By name. That's actually That's actually the super important part the actual name giving and the circumstances and detailing the girl's um family life um and just it she personalized her victim then asked me to torture and murder them in a fic I actually called my husband and told him about it. I said, do you think I should figure out where she lives and call the cops? Because this seems... it. He said no. That I should just delete it and, and um, unfriend her and block her and, and not. Um, like I said, I wouldn't be discussing this if the person hadn't put it on my Facebook publicly. Um, actually, I think she put it on a thread that's not even, it, it wasn't even a private thread. I can't really remember. Um, so, 
So here's what she says. I'm going to skip down to the part where she asked me what she wants me to do. Anyway, would you please, please, please put a character named the person's name in one of your stories and make her suffer a lot in painful ways with a slow, inglorious death, please. If this had been put in a private email or just on my site with a pro- with a comment that hadn't been approved, I would not be discussing it on my podcast. I would not. I don't do that kind of thing. But she put it publicly on my Facebook, and I know, I know there were plenty of people who saw it. <clears throat> In fact, I was so horrified and outraged, I actually asked the bit squad. If I was overreacting. And you weren't? <laughs> they, yeah, they I all thought, agreed that I, I was not overreacting. Because uh, I asked her what kind of person she morning. thought I was. Here, wait. So I protested this by asking her, just what kind of person do you think I am? And she said, a creative one. Since when does creative equal Nazi? I mean, or or serial killer or whatever torture or that you want to put on the on the docket. Since when when that rogue brings up a really interesting question: Is what if what if she did follow up and actually do the whole thing? Like like what like like what if I had written it and she used it as an instruction manual? Is that what you're asking, Rogue? Because that's scary as fuck. I I don't know. It, you know... A lot of times, like I, we've, I've talked about false sense of, you know, of intimacy before and how people think they know me based on my work and they make assumptions about my character um, and about uh, my mental health. I actually had several people when I was actively posting on t- for Ties That Bind, when I was posting the bulk of that series, um, which I had written a lot of it in an, almost – two-thirds of it before I ever posted a bit of it. So that's why all that posted at once, you know, in a very short amount of time. Um, that people um, questioned my mental health for writing BDSM and told me I needed therapy. Um, um, one woman uh, sent me this long-ass email and asked me um, uh, if I needed help, if I was living in a, in a violent um situation and if my husband was was dominating me and um she would help me i'm not kidding (laughs) i was like bitch you don't even know me (laughs) what (laughs) i do not need to be saved for my friday night fun so just (laughs) you back the fuck off (laughs) i worked for that spanking baby so you just step off let me harvest my dick and please in peace peace. deborah 
Deborah. Let me harvest dick in peace, Deborah. That that's the way it went, right? Yeah, let me harvest dick in peace. Uh, but it it just uh, so yeah, I have encountered that before, but um, in a very different way. I mean, like some of these people were actually really sincerely worried about me. I appreciate that kind of. Don't offer to rescue me. Um, uh, and you know, and like there was that famous what I thought was an urban legend, but actually trying not to be true because I met the victim of it about a Harlequin writer in the eighties who, um, who her husband worked and, um, she worked at home. Well, she, she wrote at home and she, um, sent in a novel to Harlequin and they accepted it. And so she started writing and she was in a wheelchair and, um, she's writing all these books for Harlequin and she starts to get it fan mail. And the thing is, is she's written in her own legal name. She didn't think about a pen name. Um, and one of these fans, one of her fans found her and it was a man and he decided since her husband left her at home all day and went to work while she was in a wheelchair that she needed rescuing. So he bought a house a a few streets over from theirs, renovated it for, um, handicap access, then went to her home, knocked on the door and told her he was there to take her to her new home. That is just so creeptastic. I barely know what to do with it. I know, right? And I thought it was an urban legend for, like, when I first heard it, I was like, that is nobody that is true. And I actually did meet the victim of it. Uh, now, the story that went around was a little different, and a little, the, the details were a little different, but that's the gist of it. And it, um, yeah. Yeah. When I was much younger, when the internet first got started, I got stalked on the internet. Um, I was um, very open and very friendly, and I was dumb about my details. Um, and um, because when the internet first got started, you really didn't. Uh, okay, don't please don't email me and tell me the internet's been around since the seventies. I am aware of when the internet was actually created. I am also aware, infants, of when it actually started being used in the form that we use it today. I was talking on the internet when there were about 400 websites to visit, okay? <laughs> and I visited them all. <laughs> Prodigy, so fetuses, baby. <laughs> so fetuses, please don't email me and tell me that the internet's been around for, since the fucking 70s. You weren't here in the 70s. We didn't actually have internet in the 70s, the 80s, or the early 90s. We didn't get even if we, internet, even if we had, Even if it nothing. existed, most people did not have computers in their homes in the 70s. And, also, if you're confused about how it might home. have looked, go look up when the first copy of Windows came out. Okay? Because that shit was on DOS. I didn't see a Windows machine until my freshman year of college. I just totally dated myself. That's okay. So what I'm telling you is, is that at the time I was very new to the to the internet because the internet was very new and we didn't really know what it was due or how it would work and what was going to go on. And it was like 98-ish. Um, and um, it was, anyways, it was a thing. And um, I 
gave out more information. Yeah, but the first Windows in 84 wasn't the Windows we got in 95. The 84 edition of Windows was still DOS. Or mostly DOS. The 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 interface. Yeah, it was, was hugely DOS based. You you. It was hugely DOS based. It was in Windows. What was that Windows three one? And then they had three one one. But you did so much stuff from the command prompt. I mean, if you wanted to copy files, you went into the command prompt. Right. I mean, I they, don't they had such a cool interface. See, even Windows three point wasn't that advanced. Um, we had Mac computers in my high school, uh, so I got to college and. Um, uh, the their labs were still running on DOS, and I was like, "What the fuck? Where do you have a Mac lab?" <laughs> I don't know what to do with this shit. What, what? what the hell is this? <laughs> I am. We had, and we then got, we got um, Windows ninety five, and it was like, "Holy shit! Thank you." <laughs> what it's like? It's like a Mac, but on Windows. Um, we had we got it. We got our first computer in the early '80s, I think. And we one of the first internet services I had was Prodigy, which I think predates AOL. Um, my sister's confirming in the background here that it can, that it predates AOL, and I think that came out in the early '80s, maybe '83, '84. Um, but even then, you know, even back then, you know, I, there weren't a lot of people online, and so you told people everything because you didn't oh, yeah, know any better. City. Yeah. You didn't know any better. My first internet provider was AOL. You've got mail. I mean, I, I actually kind of miss it. I've been considering putting the you've got mail notification on my Outlook. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just for nostalgia's sake. It probably lasts about five seconds. I hate when my computer talks for me. I fucking hate it. Um, but I just put all my crap out there. And um, I... Um, and it wasn't a big deal. I graduated college, and I'm moving in to the to the work sector. And um, I I've come home to um, where I live, with my you know, where my family was, and I did all that. Um, and uh, I go through two or three different jobs, and I settle into a job that I I really enjoy. And I'm still on the internet. I'm playing games on Yahoo. They used to have all these games you could play. Space that they might still have some of them. I don't know. Um, spades and canasta and towers and just all, just doing my thing and um, free sale, free sale. But you know what's really sad? Yahoo Instant Messenger is going away. Isn't that sad? It's kind of oh. I don't know if it, you know it is and it isn't because they have been the biggest pain in the ass messenger service of all time for as True. long as yeah, I agree. Them. I agree. I mean, they just—they um, don't. They—they they, if you want to use a third-party client, they log. They require these stupid authentications, and they log themselves out. You know, at the drop of a hat, and then they make you, you know, get some weird code from your Yahoo subscribed email. I mean, it's just like they're terrible. Gmail does not give me this grief. No, this is true. Um, I wish they would get rid of Yahoo Groups. That'd be great. I and mean, what do they think that you're going to do with someone's IM client? I understand you don't want people – you have to have extra beef up security around, you know, email. But, why, I mean, they, they do more authentication around the IM client than they do around the email. And it was just like, this is just ridiculous. You know, okay, somebody hacks my IM. What are they going to do? Send dick pics to all my friends who are all <laughs> going to know that those did not come from me? <laughs> I'm like, thanks for the dick pic. <laughs> Except maybe okay. Adler, who will assume that I sent it to her on purpose. 
Yeah, yeah. Asher definitely assumes she got dick on purpose. Okay, so I'm at my job, and I am uh, between men. BM, I'm I'm between men. So I'm, I'm not dating anybody, and I got my you know I'm, I'm doing my thing, and um, I've um, uh, I've moved into a small studio flat apartment. You know, it's, it, it it didn't even. I think it's like what do you call a, like a one room with like a kitchen studio. <laughs> Yeah, a studio, but not. It was like smaller than a. It was like ridiculous. But anyway, it was mine. And um, shoebox. Yeah, a shoebox. I had my cat, and um, it was just just doing my thing. And I'm at work one day, and I get flowers. A beautiful, beautiful arrangement of flowers. And I'm thinking, who the hell is sending me flowers? And it's my birthday week, so it's like, oh, you know, it's my birthday week. You know, I'm just one of my cousins or something has sent me flowers you know because all my girl cousins and I we exchange flowers and we we always have um especially if one of us is single on valentine's day that bitch might get five arrangements of flowers from (laughs) from from the cousins just so she doesn't feel left out anyways um it's my birthday week and um I'm turning uh 26 25 25 I was turning 25 and um I uh I pulled the card off and it was from someone on the internet And my stomach dropped into my feet. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I get online. I change. I, I close out all my old accounts. I change I close all of it out. Everything I can possibly get to. Um, everything I can delete, I delete. Um, and I make uh, an anonymous ID. And um, uh, there were pictures of me on the internet. I got, I got as many of them down as I could. And it was in the early 90s. Well, late 90s at this point. So it was um, pretty easy to do at the time. Now, you know, once it's out there, you're not ever getting it back. You can't undo it yeah. anymore. No. Um, and I had some old forum postings. I got all that down. I, I took everything down. But that, the horse was out in the field. <laughs> there was no clothes in that barn door, that particular barn door. Um I'd just gotten my first uh, cell phone that was mine, like I before I'd been using one of my parents' cell phones. Had my first cell phone. Um, a week after the fire, the, the flowers arrived, he called me. I can't find you online anymore. You've, you've, you've closed down your message service. I'm like, yeah, yeah, um, I have a new ID. Um, well, what is it? And I'll um, add you to it. No, I'm sorry, but um, and please don't call me again. He called Every hour on the hour, I had to turn my cell phone off at work. Um, my boss made me file a security report. I said, "This dude doesn't even live in the state." He said, "You need to file a security report just in case." I'm like, "Okay," so I did, and eventually I had to file a restraining order. So I'm not going into any of the details, but um, there was some travel on his part, and he did actually end up in my area and um he showed up in the lobby of the of the business where I worked and um I had to call the cops and um it was um, <laughs> it was terrible it was terrible I never actually saw him in person cuz after he got arrested he kind of like I guess woke up to real, to realize what he was doing um and um he got on a plane and um, he never came back as far as I know, and um, uh, there were no stalking laws back then. I think he got, um, I think my, 
he was asked to leave, and, and since it was private property, he wouldn't leave because he wanted to see me, and they arrested him for trespassing. Um, and I got a really long-ass email from him um, proclaiming his love and telling me that he would he would wait for me and um, that um, he was sorry he scared me and he wouldn't contact me again until I contacted him. I never responded to that email. Uh, no, because that's like just what he actually asked <laughs> that's you to what do. He wanted. That, that, yeah. That's what he wanted. Um, he wanted my attention. Um, but that could have gone in a much different way, and you guys would never be me because he would have killed me. So, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I learned early on in my internet um, life to to not um, divulge um, name, you know, just yeah, you have to be super, super careful because people will get attached to you in ways that you are just completely not prepared for. <clears throat> I wonder how my soulmate's doing because he did tell me he was he was my soulmate. <laughs> I hope he found someone just as creepy as he is to make a creepy life together. But I can't even tell you what he looks like. I never saw him. That is just terrible. I would be so freaked out. So, well, you know, now there's there's variety of stalking laws on the books, but they don't always protect you unless the person reacts much, in a very violent they, way. They pretty much don't, because I am... Um, Sometimes it's funny. It's funny the things I will rat hole on researching, because um, some things I just kind of go, "This is just too complicated. I'm never going to figure it out. I'm going to do the best I can." But I was writing. It was, and it was kind of a, not even a significant scene in one of the stories I wrote where they were dealing with a stalking case, and I carefully researched Maryland stalking laws, and um, I was really disgusted by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. It was it was kind of um, so. If anybody's if for those of you who've read De Novo and they're talking about whether or not they can go after a guy, I got all of the information. That I didn't make that information up. I got that straight from Maryland's um, um, law, stalking laws as to what constituted um, intent to cause fear or all that stuff was was straight off of uh, from research. And by the time I got done with the end, and I did the same thing when I was searching um, what constituted. Um, um, under the under rape under the Uniform Code of Justice, mm-hmm. um, for another story, and um, coercing sex is not under the UCMJ is not constitute does not constitute rape, and so I put that in the story, and somebody actually wrote me and said I hope that that's not true, and I was like, well, yeah, unfortunately, it is true. Um, so yeah, these laws are not um, they're not uh, what we would wish. No, in fact. Um I had a friend who was who was stalked by a coworker. Um, the the coworker got fired for um, bad behavior, and my friend didn't have anything to do with it. I'll put that up front. Um, but for some reason, he focused on her anyway, and he followed her around, which wasn't illegal. He parked outside her apartment building, wasn't illegal. He would follow her around in grocery stores, not illegal. He didn't say a word to her. She called the cops. 
man, we can't do anything. He's just following you around. He's not talk. He's not talking to you. He's not touching you. He's not trying to communicate with you. He's just following you. Which is basically an act of terrorism in, in her case. It made her a nervous wreck. She refused for for about a month. Um, she could barely leave her house without an escort because she was so petrified of this dude. And he never said a word to her. And he wasn't breaking the law. Until he flattened all the tires on her car one morning and sat beside in his car, beside her car in the parking lot, and offered her a ride to work when she came out because all four of her tires had been slashed. She goes back into her apartment and calls the cop and says, someone, um, this, this dude's been following me around. Now all four of my tires are slashed and he's offering me a ride. Is this illegal? No, ma'am. And she said, so if I call my brother over here and he beats the shit out of this guy who's been following me around for a month and probably slashed my tires and now he wants me to get in his car and go off with him somewhere, would that be illegal? And he said, yes, ma'am. I, he, she said, then I suggest you get here, that you get here before my brother does. They didn't get Damn. there before the brother did. <laughs> Dude got his ass tore up. The brother got community service <laughs> for, for, for assault and he's in the courtroom and they're explaining it and the judge is like nodding. And he could have gotten three years for criminal assault or whatever it was, whatever physical assault, whatever he got charged with. Um, and they were like, and um, the judge was like, um, well, uh, okay, you have to do 1,000 hours of community service and <laughs> 30 days time served. And that was all he got for whooping that guy's ass. <laughs> so, yeah. But that did stop following her around. Problem solved. But the cops, you know, I mean, I understand their point of view. That there's nothing on the books, and they can't prove he slashed the tires. There's nothing on the books to say that they can arrest him for following somebody around or offering somebody a ride because he wasn't threatening her. He wasn't sending her um, threatening letters. He wasn't he wasn't doing anything to her but following her around until that day he slashed all four of her tires, and her brother broke his leg and his arm. But he was careful not to hit the dude in the head. And this is really funny because I asked him, I said, why didn't you hit him in the head? I'm just curious as why that's the, the important part of this situation. And the brother said, because I didn't want to be charged with attempted murder. You know, the, so he um... just used a baseball bat to break his arm and his leg. <laughs> And he avoided all, like, all, you just, I was like, that is a lot smarter than I thought you were. <laughs> it's it's kind of cold. It's like, you know, if I hit you, if I, if I get you in too hard in the kidneys or hit you too hard in the ribs or something, you get a punctured lung, you might wind up dying. So I got to go with non-essential areas. <laughs> maximum pain, maximum damage, least, in, like, least consequences for me. Okay. Um, 
But there, you know, the funny thing, I was talking to somebody when I was researching stalking laws. I was talking to, I got into kind of a, uh, there was somebody had asked a question on a site, and there were some responses, and I, I po- you know, posed a question in the response in the in that in that thread, and we kind of got to going back and forth. And you know, one of the problems with with um, stalking laws is a lot of states have stricter stalking laws than people think they do anymore. Mm-hmm. But that it's same. This is that much like the case of um, certain laws around um, pe- what people can and can't do on the internet, like when people. Um, issue death threats on the Internet and stuff, that's not legal. Um, but police officers often have, a, not all, but a lot of police officers don't understand how to apply these laws where there is no obvious um, no obvious crime committed. Right. Like there's nobody lying on the ground bleeding. And she said that, you know, she said sort of like if you go into your um, – police department, you know, she, she, you know she, there she pointed to some cases where people have got gone to the police department and said that they were, somebody threatened um, them, threatened to cut off their head or something like that on Twitter, and they would get a response like, I don't, what's Twitter? Right. And that, so lack of, so I think there's, I also think there's kind of a little bit of a, a bias towards, because women are more often stalked than men, Um not saying that there aren't some women that go whack-a-doodle and, like, stalk their ex-boyfriends and stuff, and that's totally not okay, folks, but typically the kind of stalking we're talking about is typically men stalking women. And um, I think there is a little bit of a gender bias where, um, you know, much like you just treat women like they're hysterical. Like, I've seen this guy every day outside my house, and they go, oh, you're just being hysterical. So I think or, this is a combination say, of well, being he's just being a man. Men are supposed to or, pursue. He, or he's giving you a compliment. Aren't you flattered? Nope. <laughs> he just likes you. He likes you. Um, my One of my nieces, the, the middle niece, um, uh, encountered this at school recently. This little boy kept um, pulling on her ponytail. And the teacher said it was because he liked her. So my, my niece tells me this story, and I'm like, well, do you like him? And she said, no, he pulls my hair. I said, okay, <laughs> but the next time he pulls your hair, I want you to turn around and punch him in the stomach. And when he asks you why you did it, I want you to tell him because you like him. So two days later, I'm <laughs> sitting outside the principal's <laughs> office with my sister. He said, this is your fault. I was like, she was defending herself. We're out there having an argument about this, right? Principal calls us into the office, and my niece is sitting there, and a little boy is sitting there, and the teacher is sitting there, and they ask me while I'm there, and my sister says, because it's her fault. And the little boy's parents are there, and I'm like, okay, fine, it's my fault. What, what's my fault? What happened? I asked my niece, I said, what happened? She said, he pulled my hair, and then I punched him. And I said, well, it's just because she likes him. Isn't that how you're supposed to tell you like them? I mean, if that's his method of telling her that he likes her, then how is her method any less valid? And, my, and the principal of my niece's school happens to be my old world history teacher from high school. 
He said, you know, I was so glad when you graduated. (laughs) I said, so was I. I hated high school. It was terrible. I said, so are you going to punish my niece? And he was like, well, she did start a fight. I was like, no, she ended a fight. fight. He started a fight by pulling her hair. And if you say he pulled her hair because he liked her, then her response of punching him is just her liking him back. So if his method of displaying his affection is valid, then so is hers, and neither should be punished. But if her method is not valid, then neither is his, and they should both be punished. And the father... Started they to do? Speak and I said, no, you don't get to speak. And he said, what? I said, you're raising a boy who thinks it's okay to be violent with women. Right now he's pulling her hair. They're 10 years old. What happens when they're 16 and she ignores him? Is he going to punch her in the face? Is he going to shoot her? Is he going to stab her? How is he going to respond to rejection at 16? And this is how he responds to rejection when he's 10. So you're raising a monster and you don't get to have a fucking opinion. So, I, so he was like, go sit in the corner. I said, I don't go to school here. <laughs> I can say what I want. You no, this is a different. This is, this is not the Padawan situation. Yeah, but it's the same. It's the same principle. It's the same principle. I've known that man since I was fifteen. So he he's totally prepared. So he knew when I went into that meeting that it was not going to go his way. So um, they both had to write an essay on violence, and the little boy um, got detention because this was the fifth time he'd pulled her hair, and he admitted it. And they got put in separate classrooms. And since he was the instigator, he got moved to a new classroom because they, I protested my niece being punished by a new classroom because she liked the teacher and all her friends were there. And it wasn't fair because she wasn't the one being stalked by a little um, monster. And the talk was like, stop calling my kid a monster. I said, stop raising one. I said, today you're in the principal's office because he pulled a little girl's hair. How are you going to like visiting him in state prison when he raped some girl in college? I said, do you know what you're raising? They were all white-faced. I said, you're teaching him that it's acceptable to be violent with women. Where do you think that ends? Anyway, so my niece got to spend the rest of the day with me and my sister, and we went and got ice cream. (laughs) And my sister was like... You have to come to all of my meetings from now on with that school. Because <laughs> my sister is not very, um, with family, she's very outspoken. But in a situation like that, she would have let my niece, I mean, she would have fought for my niece, but she would have not been as blunt about it as me. And um, the, the little boy probably wouldn't have gotten punished, even if my sister's kid didn't get punished the little boy wouldn't have gotten punished either and that was super inappropriate um and um the fact of the matter is is that every single one of my nephews um I've told them all um I love you I support you if you ignore woman's consent you'll be lucky to live long enough to stand trial Damn right. 
Because I'm not going to be related to a rapist. At least not a living one. And I mean it. I, I don't... You, just, you know, boys will be boys. Fuck all that shit. Fuck all that shit. No kidding. Well, my sis was like... She was in preschool, so she's like five years old. And so this was... You know, I'm I'm aging her. She's less like 35 years ago, and um, she uh, she was she had a temper. She had she didn't have much of a temper when she got older, but man, she had a temper when she was a little kid. And this little boy, um, you know, they they had those swings on the playground that were um, the little plank of wood with the chains on them. Yes. And this little boy's always bugging her, and a little aggressively. And so he comes up to her one day while she's on the swing in the in the playground, and he shoves her off of her swing and she smacks her face on the ground on a rock and so her picture from preschool by the way is her with this like black eye um and so she gets <laughs> up and she she grabs that swing and she smacks him in the head with it <laughs> so mom gets called down to you know the preschool because they want to suspend her and mom went just off um about you know, that she had every right to defend herself from this little boy. And I was like, well, he just pushed her off a swing. I'm like, do you see which one of them is hurt? Of course, this little boy, he actually had he actually had a little cut in his head. He got a little, had a little blood on his face. He says, she's got a black eye. It's not like she was just, you know, given a little shove and she disproportionately reacted. But I just always thought that was so hysterical that she just, you know, beamed that kid in the head with um, – they both wound up getting suspended. But um, – which I thought was kind of unfair because she was defending herself, but um, yeah, well, she being you know, that kid. In reality, she should have gone to help and got help and reported him for his behavior. So I get why they punished them both, but yeah. um, but they wanted to just suspend her, right? Because boys will be boys, right? Because she's sitting there with a black eye, and that's okay. She's five, and she's got a black eye, and that's all right. But um. You know, and I, yeah, I agree completely. She should have just gone to the teacher and said, he pushed me on the swing and look at me, I'm hurt. But instead, she turned around and grabbed that swing and smacked him. I have to admit, though, in her position, I probably would have hit him more than once with the the swing. I was was not a kid who tolerated that shit. Um, I just wasn't. In fact, I wasn't, I'm not a person to tolerate it now. The last altercation I had with a person... Of that variety, I was in a bar and I was 22. At that point, seriously, all I all I was was tits and ass, um, and I enjoyed um, attention and um, of, of of a variety. And I enjoy sex and I enjoyed men, and um, I made no bones about it. And uh, I was. Uh, I was in a bar, and um, I was out with a bunch of friends, and um, male and female alike, and um, we were all having a good time. We were dancing, and, you know, and I'm just out by the sky, and he grabbed my ass. And I turned around, and I said, why'd you do that? And he says, because I like ass. So I got really close. I got as close as I could. I said, really, you like my ass? He goes, yeah, it's a pretty ass. I said, thanks. And I reached down, and he was wearing some baggy jeans. Not a good idea. I did grab his dick. I grabbed his... I went straight down his pants into his boxers and grabbed his dick. His friends were like, whoa, whoa. And I had nails. I've always... I've I've worn nails since I was 19. I... 
grabbed his dick as hard as I could. He's like, oh, God, stop. I said, what? I said, what? You don't like it? I like cock. And you can grab my ass. I can grab your dick. Isn't that how that works? And he's all white-faced and shit. Pussy. Anyway, I let him go, and he crumples to the floor. And the bouncer comes running, and he was like, so what What the hell is going on? And I was like, he said he, he grabbed my ass, and I asked him why. And he said, because he liked my ass. So I, so I like cock. So I grabbed his cock. <laughs> so fair is fair. And he said, girl, go get you a beer. <laughs> Leave this man alone. <laughs> I hope you washed your hands first. <laughs> I did. I did wash my hands. I did. I, I did wash my hands. But I did. I went straight down the front of his pants. And he led me because he didn't know what was coming. Arrogant shithead. Um, I mean, that's the last time he did that to a woman. Because I just, I'm gonna tell you, that's just what you know. That's what you don't know about people, and that's why this false sense of intimacy is very dangerous on both ends of the spectrum. He saw a petite. I, I'm five foot four, and I was wearing some platform shoes, but it's obvious I'm a, I'm a little person. I'm a, I'm a short person, not a little person. <laughs> There's a difference. Um, I'm a short person. Um, I was like a size. Eight, and I was wearing a 32 double D. So that was booming, okay? I mean, I admit that. Um, he saw something he liked, and he wanted a piece of it. And he failed to consider what kind of crazy my little body might be containing. He made assumptions about me based on my appearance. And his dick paid the price. Never underestimate a, a a petite woman. Never. I have a friend who is about five one or five two, something like that. She's one of my best friends. She's very very tiny, and um, on more than one occasion, I have seen a guy come up to her and pick her up. I hate that. I don't know since I was young though. Her response was well, she's in her fifties now, and she um, still that still happens to her, and. Um, like she'll meet somebody new, and instead of shaking, you know, she'll put her hand out to shake their hand, and they'll lean over and give her a hug and pick her up. And her response inevitably is the dick punch. <laughs> I don't. You pick me up, I'm gonna punch you in the dick. There you go. What is that? What is that? Let's make it more comfortable for me to hug you by removing your ability to act independently. I'm going to violate your independence so I'm more comfortable. Double bird over here. Double bird. It's terrible. You just don't do that to people. I mean, I've been lucky in the sense that I hit my stride with my height. I'm 5'10 now, and I hit my stride with my height really, really young. So I was 5'8 by the time I was 12. So I got that last two inches really slowly over several years. But I was really tall, really young. And I didn't have – people People weren't running around trying to pick me up and stuff like that. And I also have really bad resting bitch face. So it's not often that someone um, um, encroaches on my personal space. Um, and usually it's the result of me being in a good mood and smiling or something, and then I'm like, well, I'm not making that mistake again. <laughs> I'm not going to be happy in public ever again because it results in something horrible like some dude sticking his hand down my bra. Right? I was um, 
the other day I was out and I'd gotten my feet done because I had to get pedicures because of my diabetes. Um, I was out and um, PSA, if you've got diabetes or if you're um, insulin resistant, watch your feet, take care of your feet and get your feet done, male or female. It's super important to take care of your feet um, because you don't want to have them amputated. I could not be more serious. It'd be, it'd be bad. What would you do with all your shoes? Come on now. That would be terrible. You miss out on good shoes, shoes if you don't have any feet. My shoes would be lonely. My shoes would be very lonely. Anyways, um, I was out and about, and I was doing my thing. And um, I rarely do I encounter um, that whole smile thing that men do to women. I just don't often encounter that particular thing. Um and I was I was running late and I was hot and it's like fucking a hundred degrees here. I mean it was ridiculous how hot it was. And I was um kind of oh, hoping you it really in. pretty few smile thing. Uh-huh. The grocery store, I'm in the fruit section and um um <laughs> this is terrible. I should not admit this. I should not admit this, but I'm going to. Okay, so I'm over in the section and I'm and I'm looking at grapes. Um, and I'm trying to figure out if I want to get some grapes. And I did get some grapes, as a matter of fact, if I don't mention that later. Um, and this man, on the other side of the fruit thing, he was by the, by the peaches. It's, it's fortunate for him we weren't in reverse position, and, and you'll know why in a minute. And his wife was down the way a little bit. She was over by the lettuce. And um, he um, looked up at me, and I'm, I guess I was frowning at the grapes. Um, Because I really didn't like what I was looking at at the time. And he said, why don't you give me a smile? And before I can help myself, I want you to know, I I don't even know. Before I can help myself, I threw grapes at him. (laughs) Because I plucked a grape off off the thing and I was looking at it and feeling it. And it was a big, plump, black grape. It was, you know, it was about the size of a plum, actually. It was huge. It, a small plum, but it was a huge grape. And I tossed it, and I hit him right in the face. And his wife, he's like, oh, ow. I said, that ain't hurt, you pussy. And his wife comes running, and she's like, what's going on? And I was like, he told me I should smile for him. <laughs> and she said, you asshole. And walked off back to the lettuce. Zan says they're globe grapes. It was a huge grape. I mean, I, I, I think that's why I was frowning at it, because we don't often get grapes like that in the Kroger where I was at. And I was like, I didn't know what to do with it. But I, I, I got him right in the forehead. It was an excellent aim on my part, but not on purpose. I just I just meant to throw it at him, but I got him right in the face. Um, and he's, he's rubbing his forehead and mumbling. I said, you should be lucky that you were over there and I was over here. Otherwise, you got a face full of peach. I grabbed some green grapes and walked off. It was just, I don't even, it was totally reflex. I didn't, I did not, I didn't, it isn't something that I would normally do. It just, it struck me. I was so irritated already when I went into the store and he was fucking telling me to smile. I am sorry, but being happy is not the rent I pay to live. I don't have to (laughs) smile at people. Well, it's almost like it's, there's. I think there's a couple of like places that come from. Is one, it's a little bit kind of like you know, it's it's like the next evolution of like cat calling kind of thing. It's like it, it's sort of like flirty kind of thing. But then there's also the you'd make me more comfortable 
if you were if happier. If you smiled. Right. You know, if you were if you were more overtly happy, I would be more comfortable in this situation. It's like, I don't live to make you comfortable, asshole. So anyways, <laughs> you're great with a stranger. <laughs> I don't I even know. I think that's awesome. I don't even, it was just, it was like a, I guess he's really lucky that it wasn't an apple or an orange. <laughs> I might have got arrested, I guess. I don't know. Can you imagine if all the cops? She's so a grape at me. <laughs> <laughs> the cops be like, why are you wasting my time, asshole? I'm going to just arrest you on principle. But the funny thing about the smile thing is you get it from men and women. And when it comes, I think most of the time when it comes from women, it's about a comfort thing. It's like, you know, and sometimes I don't know what to do when I get males, that, not males, but behaviors I typically attribute to coming from men where it's like a little bit entitled, a little privileged, like get out of my space. When it comes from women, I just kind of, sometimes I just kind of stall out. It's like I know what to do when I get it from men. When it comes from women, I just kind of go, I expect it better. <laughs> You know, if it comes from older women. Yeah, I don't get that from younger women, but uh, older women, especially older yeah, women, I'm not related to. Yeah, I some twenty-two-year-old running up to me and going, "You need to smile more." I'd be like, "Go have a smoothie." Fuck, <laughs> Fuck you, fetus. <laughs> there you go. That's our hashtag of the week. Fuck you, fetus. <laughs> have time for that shit, but um, yeah, you know, it's like um, I guess about a year and a half ago, I was uh in, I was in a McAllister's deli, and I was uh sitting next to uh, they have these small tables. They're kind of meant for one person, even if they have two chairs, or two people who really don't want their own space. Anyways. I was at a it's table, like a table the size even... of a small pizza, like a large pizza. And right, like, you know, right. You can't put two people in... at a large pizza table. It's just not going to no, work. No, no. I got rid. I have room for my laptop, right? So, anyways, <laughs> I'm at one of my little, one of these little tables, and she's at one um, beside me. And there was this man across on the other side of the aisle at one, and he was around her age, and they were in their twenties. And he starts to have a conversation with her. And at one point, I can tell she's getting really tired of this conversation because she pulls out her headphones and she starts fiddling with them and plugging them into her tablet. She's getting ready to put her headphones on. And he asks, oh, don't put your phone, your headphones on. I want to talk to you some more. No. And I said, yes, I mean, because what he wants is more important than what you want. That's just not okay. And she turned to me and she said, huh, you're right. What he wants is more important to him than what I want. I said, you know, men are like that. I said, um, here you are doing your thing. He thinks you're hot. And you are, by the way. You, you're booming. Um, and she laughed. She said, well, you're cute, too. I said, well, thanks. I said, this dress is new. I got it at Ross. I said, I want to pay $10 for it. She's like, really? I said, it's got pockets. And she was like, it's got pockets? And we were talking about the dress that I was wearing. And we started talking, and we were ignoring him. And he, started, and he hushed. And I said, now look at him. I said, now he's huffing because you're not paying attention to him and you're not giving what he wants. He wants your attention. I said, so just imagine if he went out on a date with this asshole. And she said, oh, God, he'd be one of those people who, who talks with themselves the whole time. I said, yeah, you, you would learn all about his ex-girlfriend and his mom and his favorite sports team. And he wouldn't even remember what color your eyes are by the end of it. But, and then if he paid, he would expect you to fuck him. 
I said he's probably really vanilla. He's probably even a good time in that because he's selfish already. I mean, you can tell he's selfish. And we spent like twenty minutes talking about this dude in front of him before he finally realized he needed to go. Oh my God! Talk about slow to catch a clue. Right. So he leaves, and she she looks at me and she said, "Don't take this the wrong way, but I'm in love with you." I said, "Oh, honey, you're not even the first this week." <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just, you know. But my mom did that with women. If she sees a woman uncomfortable with a man, she will walk up to that woman like she knows her. Oh, honey, I'm so glad to see you. That woman gets a hug. She only knows who this woman is. Come over here and talk to me. You know, she, you know, so and so is here, and um, we're gonna have lunch with so and so. You would not believe how many strangers, I, strange women, I've had dinner with or lunch with over the last three years. Because my it's, my mom feels like once she realized that women were being put in this position. I don't think she really realized it before, but when she she's kind of honed her senses on it. So whenever she sees a woman being um, harassed or, or mistreated in public, she goes and rescues them, like like the Nana Avenger or something. I don't know. I have had dinner and lunch with more strange women in the past two or three years than I did the entire time I was in college. That's hysterical. When I, work, when, I, when I ate in the cafeteria. <laughs> Your mom's awesome. But, yeah, there's something about there's something about women expecting to be nice. And if mm-hmm. a guy says something to you that you, in a, in a nice tone, or he asks something of you, like, don't put your headphones on, we want, I want to keep talking, you're expected to be nice. And if you say no, you're a bitch. Right? It kind of reminds me of that meme where Benedict Cumberpatch, ever how the fuck you say his name, and Kira Knightley are being interviewed by a reporter. And the reporter apparently told Kira Knightley that she looked um, tired. Tired. And Benedict Cumberpatch came to her defense. And she was like, he said, that's a terrible thing to say to the most beautiful woman, one of the most beautiful women in the world. And Kira's response was, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> If you ever but need to wonder tone, why I named myself that guy said it, and he probably, there you go. He probably said it in a very nice tone, like, oh, you look tired. Like, kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. So you never need to wonder why I picked Kira as my name, right? Uh, yeah. No. You don't need to. Um, we're down to 45 seconds. We'll be back tomorrow. Not sure what the topic will be, but it will be probably a lot less heavy and terrible as this one tonight but I had to get it off my chest because it's been bothering me all day even while I slept even though I still had another Laura Croft dream which I might discuss with you guys tomorrow. Say goodnight Jilly. Good night, Jilly. Good night, Jilly. <laughs>